Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Justina Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. called I've Got Good News. And before we jump in, I do want to welcome all of you that are visiting today. We're so glad that you're here. And I want to look on the other side of that screen and welcome all of them, those that are joining us online, all of the men and the women that are at our correctional facilities across the nation, maybe watching this message, as well as our newest family, the Belize Central Prison. Come on, church, help me welcome them. We love you. We believe in you. We're cheering for you so excited. So I've got good news today. That's what we're going to talk about. And we've been in our theme verse was Isaiah 61. And so Pastor Kyle has had two weeks of it. It's been an amazing series. Go back and watch it if you've missed any of them. But Isaiah 61, but I want to read that to you, our theme verse, but I'm going to read it from Luke chapter four. And this, all that's happening in Luke chapter four, the Bible tells us Jesus steps into the synagogue and he's going to teach. And he unrolls the scroll to teach from that passage of that day. And it was Isaiah 61. And so we're going to see, this is Jesus speaking this out in Luke chapter uh, four, verses 18 through 19. And it says this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And we talked about that on week one. And then in Isaiah 61, it goes on to say, and to bind the brokenhearted. We talked about that last week. And this week we're going to talk about this. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Other versions will say to set the captives free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The title of the message today is be set free, be set free. Listen, I don't know what you came for, but I know you're going to get more than you came for today because the, 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 the whole reason that Jesus came, he says it right here. He says it all through scripture is for us to have freedom in our lives, to be living in freedom every single day is why Jesus came. And I want to talk about that. In fact, I want to share with you my favorite verse about freedom. It comes in John chapter eight. Let's look at it together. John chapter eight, verses 31 through 36 says this to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you will hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The Bible says, now let me pause there for a minute because here's what I realized reading that verse. It's possible to believe and still not be free. It's possible to be saved and still not be free. It's possible to come to church every weekend of your life and still not be free. It's possible to put your hope and trust in Jesus and still not be free. And the reason I've got to keep driving that point home is because so often Christians especially can think, well, I got saved. I, I must be, this must be all there is. This must be everything that God has for me. No, that's the beginning of the journey. That's the beginning of the process that sets us on the right course. But here's the thing. I've got good news. You can be set free, but it's possible to go my whole life loving Jesus, believing in Jesus and not be free. And then he goes on and it says this, they answered him because now he, the people he's talking to, the believers in him, and he's telling them, I want to see you set free. I can set you free. And they answer him back and they, and they answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. 
How can you say we shall be set free? Now, that's an interesting comment from them. They were totally delusional in this moment. They're, they're, they're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves. We've never been in bondage. We've never been, you know, uh, can you do that as a Christian? Man, I, I, I'm not in bondage. I don't have any struggles. I don't have any strongholds. I'm not in bondage. Well, the interesting thing about this, they had been in bondage to so many different nations by this point as Abraham's descendants. They had been in bondage to the Chaldeans, to the Syrians, to the Grecians. They had been in bondage to the Egyptians. Most of us know the story. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, hey, baby, let my people go. Uh. Isn't that how the song goes? <laughs> na, 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 na. Right? They had been in bondage. At this point, they're like, we, we don't need set free. What are we in bondage to? And even at this point, when they say it, they're in bondage to the Romans. Right in this moment, they're in bondage to the Romans. And then it goes on to say, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. In other words, he's saying, everyone has the potential to be in bondage. If you've sinned, you have the potential to be a slave to that sin, and so do I. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son, a son longs to, uh, belongs to it forever. And then he says this, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed, right? And so Jesus is saying in this passage, you can be set free, you can be set free. And, and I was thinking about that and I, I was reflecting back on a time that I heard these words. I'll never forget the day I heard these words. And they went like this. Mrs. Brownlee, you are now free to go. <laughs> you are now free to go. Let me tell you what led up to those words because you're going to love this story. If it doesn't even prove a point, you're still going you're gonna to like having this story on me. So uh, it was about six, somewhere between six to eight years. I can't really figure out exact timelines because I've tried to forget this. And, and, and so it was about six to eight years ago and we were going to a pastor's conference and there was a group of us. There was Bill and Steph Lommers and Matt Beringer and, and myself and Pastor Kyle. And we're all going to this conference. And so we've flown out to Jacksonville, Florida, where the art conference was. That's a, an affiliation that helped us plant this church. And we, the reason we go to these pastor conferences, and I want to say this because I think it's just a side note that's important, is it's, it's, it's one thing to know what God's saying to us in these four walls, but it's another thing to know what's God saying to his big C church. What's God breathing across the nation? What's God breathing across the earth? Because God doesn't just say one thing in one place. And sometimes we can get so inward focused if we don't know what God's doing everywhere and how he's calling us together to be a kingdom, right? His kingdom, his bride. And so that's why we go these places. And we had gone to this conference. It was an amazing conference. And so we're at the conference and now it's time to fly home. And so that day we were getting ready to fly home. And every time Pastor Kyle and I travel, we try to bring something, a little gift back for our kids because we want, we don't want them crying when we leave. We want them to be, think this is going to be fun. I'm going to get something when they come back. It allows us to like go on date nights and do things we want. And so just a little tip for some of you, bring something back nice. Your kids will send you off all the time. And so we're bringing home, uh, we have some toys that we had went shopping the night before and we'd gotten all these toys and I had them in a bag. And then uh, every time I travel, I would take my, my carry 
on. I'll take a carry-on so that I can put my toys in it and my gifts and all the extra shopping at the mall that I do while I'm there. And I put it in the empty bag and I'll take it back home. And so that morning we were traveling back from Jacksonville and we get to the airport. We had to get up super early. It was like 4.30 in the morning, something wild that we had to get up. And so I wasn't really thinking that morning. And I I stuffed the toys in the bag and grabbed my carry-on and off we went to the airport. And we get to the airport and now we're at TSA in the security checkpoint. And I throw my carry-on up on the the belt that's going to take it through. And there's a lot of people in this area. And our group had kind of gotten split off into different lines. And I was in a line by myself. And I threw my carry-on bag up on the belt and off it goes through the, the the little conveyor belt. And I stand in a line waiting to get through the X-ray machine to get on the other side, get my bag like I always would, and take off through the airport, get on the plane, and come home. That was the plan. And then the bag goes through, and I'm standing there, and I'm talking to a lady behind me in line, when all of the sudden, red lights start to flash all over the airport. These loudest screeching siren you have ever heard in your life starts to squeal all over the airport. And next thing we know, the gates are slamming shut all around the checkpoint where we're standing. And we're standing there, and it was really a scary moment because there had been a bunch of airport shootings recently. And and so we're standing there. We know something serious is happening right now in this moment. This is not good. And we're all looking around. And, you know, me, I'm I'm kind of a problem solver. I'm looking around because I'm going to figure out who's the problem. Who do I need to be ready to take out if necessary? I will do it. I will do it. And so I'm standing there looking around like, what is happening? And I remember the lady behind me, she said two things. The first thing she said is, I bet you that guy in front of us has cocaine in his bag. I I bet so. I bet you're right. Because, I mean, it has to be serious for them to, I'm telling you, they've and then they've been yelling out, nobody move. Do not touch your stuff. Do not grab your phone. Keep where you are. Right? So it's dead silent in the place, besides me and this lady whispering. And so... And then she also said, I did put two bottles of water in my bag. I hope that's not it. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, if that's for the water, we're in big trouble. And so we're standing there, and we're waiting. And next thing we know, we watch the the TSA officers, and they get in a little huddle. And they're kind of whispering and looking. And then they keep looking, and they're whispering. And the next thing we know, uh, two of them start to move. And they're coming, and, you know, I'm standing here with the lady behind me, and I'm watching them, watching where they're going to go. And I keep looking around, and they keep coming towards me. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, wow, what is going to go on here? And they keep coming towards me, and they keep coming. And next thing I know, I think to myself, is she looking at me? And next thing I know, she's right in front of me. And she looks at me, and she leans in, and she whispers to me, ma'am, do you have anything in your bag that could bring harm? And I said, I have a tub of powder, but it's an energy drink. It is not cocaine. (laughs) I, I have, and I'm telling her about my energy drink as if she cares about my energy, but I'm racking my brain. Like, I can't believe this has happened. You're telling me this whole thing went down and I have something to do with it. And she's just whispering to me, ma'am, do you have a weapon in your bag? And I'm thinking, weapon, what? And I start, to, I start to rack my brain. I start to think about it. I start to think. And then it dawns on me. You remember I had gone shopping for some toys? And, and, you know, there was one thing my son just had to have. And I made sure I went all around town to find it. 
and he was desperate to have a cap gun. I love how y'all are acting like you would have known better. <laughs> Way to go, church. Like you really knew this was going to shut down the whole airport. So, so I, I think to myself, I remember I whispered to her, I do have a cap gun, but it's just a toy. It's for my son. And she leans in and she goes, ma'am, put your hands behind your back. <laughs> and I'm thinking this can't be happening. I put my hands behind my back. She slaps on the cuffs. And that by this time, I can't find Kyle. And later he told me, he told me, I was in jail. I was in prison for three and a half years and I was not going back. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Thanks a lot. <laughs> and, and they walk me and they just, uh, they just walk me. I mean, it's dead silent, all eyes on me. And this is an important note. I had my experienced church shirt on. <laughs> Probably said pastor on the back. And I remember as they're walking me off, all I was thinking is that lady thinks I'm the one with cocaine. <laughs> she thinks it's me. And they walk me off and they walk me back. I don't know. I couldn't even tell you where. I was in shock. And they walk me to this metal room, a true metal room with a big bolted door. They sit me down in it and they slam the door shut behind me and they walk off. And they go do whatever they did. And, and then they come back and they open the room. They take me out of the cuffs and they bring me out. And after they said, we're keeping this gun, I go, oh no, I just looked everywhere for that gun and went through a lot for it. You mean you're not giving it back? And so they kept this toy, this gun. Oh, by the way, because it was a cap gun, it had the little caps. They also, um, they also informed me I was carrying explosives. So I had explosives and a weapon in my bag. And, and so after they said, we're keeping all of this, and they wrote me a $250 fine ticket, and, and then they said the words to me, Mrs. Brownlee, you are now free to go. And off I went. And I came back out. I came back out to my friends. And then I found, finally found Kyle hiding in the corner. And then... And then I found my friend Stephanie and I find out that she had gone to Starbucks. I'm like, Starbucks while I'm in jail? She goes, I did get you a white chocolate mocha. I go, oh, I do love those. I'll take that. <laughs> and we get on the plane and we fly home. But I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it. This is what I thought. I had no idea that something seeming so innocent, so small, just a toy, would cause me to be bound and held captive. Never dawned on me. And then I thought about you. What about you? Is there something in your life that seemed so small, you were just toying around with it, seemed innocent, didn't seem like it could hurt anything, didn't seem like a bad idea at the time, didn't seem like something that could make you be bound and held captive as a prisoner to it? But so many of us in this room, that's where we are. We're bound and held captive to something in our lives. And I've come to tell you today, I've got good news. You can be set free. It's why Jesus came. Maybe it's the one, that one thing that one time somebody said to you, and it seemed so small at the time, but the more you rehearsed it, the more you thought about it, the more you became bound and held captive to the offense and the unforgiveness of it. And you're still there to this day. Maybe it was the, the one decision, the one look. I mean, it was just a look. It was, it was just one time. It wasn't meant to be anything more than that. And it was just that one time. And now you're bound and held captive to that thing. 
Maybe it was that spending thing. I mean, it was one purchase. It was just one purchase on the credit card. I didn't think it was going to go any further than that, but then it led to another and it led to another. And now you're bound and held captive to the debt of it. I'm just telling you, we all have something in here that has the potential to bind us and hold us captive. But I've got good news. Jesus wants to set us free. And so here's what I wanted to do to do today in today's message. I want to give you four steps to being set free. Four steps to being set free. Because I think so often we quote the scriptures. There's freedom in Christ. There's victory in Christ. And we just leave it there like it's just going to take us over and that's just going to be the reality of our life. No, there's steps to being set free. There's things that we have to initiate and take part in to get that freedom so that God can set us free. So I want to give you today four steps to being set free. And I actually want to share them with you from the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. So I'm going to pull these steps out from Luke chapter 15. So you can turn your Bibles there if you want, and we'll, we'll be putting it on the screen, but let me give you four steps. Here's the first step to being set free. Number one, recognize when you're not. There's no way we can be set free if we don't realize that we're bound and held captive to something. We've got to recognize when we're not living in freedom. We've got to recognize when I no longer have control over it, it has control over me. I have to recognize when I no longer am mastering it, it's mastering me. And so there has to be this moment that we recognize when we're not free. And in the story of the prodigal son, it's interesting. I'll just set it up for the sake of time. I won't read the whole passage. You can go home and read this passage um, tonight or this week. I encourage you to do so. But in the story of the prodigal son, what happens is there's a father and he has two sons. And the younger son comes to his father and he says to him, dad, I want my inheritance. I don't want to wait till you die. I want my part of the inheritance right now, right here. And then I want to go. And basically he thought he was going to go live in freedom. I'm going to go off and be free. And so he says this to the dad and the dad agrees and he gives him his part of the inheritance. And as the story goes, this younger son, he moves off. The Bible says to another city. And then he basically it's the Bible's very descriptive on what happens. He begins to live in what he would have thought was freedom. Isn't that interesting that there's things that we think are going to give us freedom that really are only going to bind us and hold us captive. And so the son thinks this is going to bring freedom. This is going to make my life better. And he runs off and, and he, the Bible says that he spent all of his money on wild partying, partying and prostitutes. That's what the Bible says. And he goes out and he, he probably moved to Vegas is what he did. And now he's in Vegas and he's doing his thing and, and he's spending all the money and he's living the wild life as the Bible says and what he thought was freedom. And then we get to the part of the story where basically what happens is he spends all the money and now he has nothing left and a famine hits the land and now there's no food and no money. And he finds himself in a position that he is held captive and he finds himself in a position that he is no longer free. And he, and he basically comes to this place where he has to commit himself, become a slave to another person, another citizen of another city and become a worker in the pig pen. The Bible says he's basically going to take care as a Jewish man, probably take care of pigs, which would have been the lowest of low. And so he finds himself just in this pig pen and, and the Bible tells us that he has no food and he's even, he's envious of what the pigs are eating, thinking maybe I could just eat that. He's in such a low place in his life. And then we get to this because remember the first step in being set free is recognize when you're not. And we get to this verse in Luke chapter 15, verse 17. And it says this, when he came to his senses, He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And I'm here starving to death. When he came to his senses, the Bible said, when he realized what he thought was freedom was not freedom at all. 
When he realized what he thought would give him what he wanted and it didn't, it gave him the opposite. When he came to his senses, and here's my hope today. My hope is for myself and for you that we will come to our senses today and we'll acknowledge, recognize, realize, and admit any area of our life that has us bound and held captive, that is not actually giving us freedom, that is not actually giving us all that God wanted to give. When we come to our senses, because the first step of being free is to actually recognize, realize, admit that I'm not. To actually admit I'm not free in this area. And it could be that I could be in bondage to fear. It could be lust. It could be pride, it could be greed, it could be jealousy, it could be envy, it could be unforgiveness. What area of my life do I need to recognize that I'm not free in? Because that's the first step to me being set free. And so I want you to think about it as we go through this message. We have to recognize when we're not free. And the second step is this, we can find it in Luke. And it was this, the next thing he did was, number two, repent to God and others. Luke chapter 15, verse 18 through 21, it says this, I will set out and I will go back to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And so he got up and he went to his father. But while, I love this, lean into this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. And then the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The second step after we recognize when we're not free is to repent to God and others. Now I want to explain this to you because that word repent, it encompasses a couple things that we have to do to truly repent and see freedom come to our lives. And the first thing we see that the prodigal son does in this verse, he says, I am going to go confess I'm going to go say to my father in, he's like, he's basically saying, I'm going to say it to God in heaven and I'm going to say it to somebody else. Repent to God, repent to others. Confess to God, confess to others. Now let me explain something about confession because here's what I want to say. I'm going to explain it to you, but I'm going to tell you it's only part of what that word repent really is going to get us. And if we only confess and we don't do the whole part of what I'm about to tell you, we will stay bound and captive. And I think this is where some of us are. So let me explain confession to you. Because basically, it's not in your notes, but in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible tells us if we'll confess our sins to God, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So we confess our sins to God for forgiveness. And the minute we do, he forgives us. He wipes that slate clean. He remembers it no more. He acts upon it no more. There's forgiveness when we confess to God. But it's interesting because remember the second part of that is we confess to others. Here's why we have to confess to others. It tells us in James chapter five, verse 16, take a look at it. It says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Now that word healed in the original language, it means what you think. It means physical healing that can take place when we confess our sins to others. But let me tell you what that word also means. The original word also means to be released, to be let go. In other words, to be set free. I confess my sins to someone else so that I can be set free. It's part of it. I'm going to confess to God for forgiveness. I'm going to confess to others that I need to confess to so that I can be set free. 
And it's an important part, and I want to challenge and encourage us. Once we recognize we're not free, we figure out what we need to repent for. And we confess to God, and we confess to others. But here's the thing, I'll tell you, I stayed stuck in a bondage of being bound and captive to my ways, to my temptations, to my addictions, to my struggles, to the world's ways for half of my adult life. The reason is because I had the confession part down, but I didn't have the second part I'm going to tell you right now down. And so what I would do is I would go and live my life for the week, much like the prodigal son. And I would do what I did and, and live like I lived. And I, I just did my thing all week long. I would go to church on Sunday and I would confess. I would confess to God and anybody else, the prayer team that would listen to me. And I would cry my eyes out and I would say, I'm sorry. And I would go back out on Monday and live the same life I had that last week. And I would do it all over again. And again, and again, well, listen, I was confessing. Why wasn't I free? Well, that word repent, I want to explain what it means. If you find that word in the Bible, that word repent in the original language, the Greek word is metanoia, metanoia. Meta means change. Noia means mind. In other words, to repent means to change your mind. I'm not just going to confess and say I did it and say I'm sorry. Never change my mind about it and keep doing the thing over and over and over and over again. If I'm going to repent to God and repent to others, the point is I have to change my mind about it. I have to change my mind about that sin, that stronghold, that struggle, that thing that has me bound. I have to change my mind about God and how he sees me. I have to change my mind about myself and what I'm capable of doing for the glory of God. I have to change my mind. And I want to show you because it's exactly what happens with the prodigal son in Luke. Because what happened was he confessed, the Bible says, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you, Father. But then the Bible says, here's how he changed his mind. Because remember, that same prideful man that had gone to his father and said, I deserve my inheritance. I deserve to go be free. I deserve to go party it up. I deserve to go live how I want to live. And he, that was the attitude he had originally came to his father to. But you'll notice back when we read that in Luke 15, if you're able, Ryan, if you guys can put that back up, Luke chapter 15, it was verses 18 through 21. It then says, I'm no longer, in verse 19, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer, I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind about the sin. I've changed the mind about myself. I've changed my mind about who the father is. I've changed my mind about all of heaven. I've changed my mind. And I will never forget the moment that I wasn't just confessing, but I changed my mind. And I changed my mind to believe this week when I go out, I have the power to be broke free of that. I know my God is faithful and sees me as worthy. I know that I can do this in the power of Christ. I now believe that what, is, what God calls sin is sin and that it is not belonging in my life. I now believe that what I thought was freedom is not really freedom at all and it's gonna hold me captive. I now believe what God's word said because that's what Jesus says. If you'll hold to my teaching then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know what? It will change your mind. It'll change your mind. And so if we're going to get free, four steps to freedom, we've got to recognize when we're not. We have to repent. We've got to change our mind about it. We've got to repent to God, repent to others. And then number three, I want you to see this. Number three is reject the lies of the enemy. 
Reject the lies of the enemy. Now, now here, here's the thing. It's interesting. We've talked about the younger brother, and there's no doubt we would all agree he was in bondage to sin. He, he was in bondage to a way of life that he thought would bring him freedom that wasn't bringing him any freedom at all. But now I want to show you the older brother, because the thing is, he wasn't out like the younger brother, living like the younger brother, but he was still in the same amount of bondage. He was still bound and held captive. And in fact, he was bound and held captive. While the younger brother was bound and held captive and in bondage to sin, the older brother was bound and held captive and in bondage to a story. He had a story in his head that was holding him captive. And I want you to see it. Luke chapter um, 15, it's verses 28 through 38. It says this, because what happens is the older brother hears that the the younger brother has come home and there's a big party celebrating him. And he is not happy about it. He's upset about it. He doesn't think that it should be happening. And it says this, verse 28, the older brother became angry and refused to go into the party. So his father went out to him and he pleaded with him. And here's how he answered his father. This is what he was captive to. He answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you. Come on, anybody else have kids? You ask them to take out the trash and they're like, I've been slaving for you all day. No, let me tell you something. That's not, that's not. And here he's going, I've been doing all this for you, father. I've never disobeyed your orders. Okay, listen, unless you're Jesus, you have disobeyed orders at some point, right? This is not true. This is a lie. This is a lie of the enemy right here. And then he goes on and he says, you never even gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. Now, let me tell you about this. That's also not true because remember back when I told you the beginning of the story that the brother, younger brother went and asked for the inheritance and he got one third, a younger son, a younger son would get one third of the father's inheritance. You know what the oldest son gets? Two thirds of the inheritance of which the Bible tells us he gave them both their inheritance at the same time. So not only he's going, dad, you didn't even give me a goat so that I could celebrate. And his father's thinking, son, I gave you two thirds of the company. What you mean I didn't give you a goat? That's not true. That's not true. Listen, the older brother had a story in his head that the enemy had planted there. And if we're not careful, we will get a story in our head that comes from not rejecting the lies of the enemy. And it will convince us that we have every right to stay offended and not forgive. It will convince us that we have every right to be happy and live how we want. It will convince us that everybody is out to get us and wants to hurt us. It will convince us there's a story that can hold us captive. And it's usually infused and and fueled by lies of the enemy. And so in that moment, the father was even dispelling some of those lies with some truth. And the father answers him back and he says, my son, you've always been with me and everything I have is yours. That's not true. I just want you to know, we have to learn to discern and reject the lies of the enemy, or we will be held captive our entire Christian lives. In fact, I was thinking about Genesis 3. Satan took us captive, all of us, in Genesis 3 with a lie. That's how it started. He lied. He said, God's not telling you the whole truth. God's holding out on you. And if you eat that, it won't harm you. You won't lose your freedom. You'll only gain freedom. There's a lie that the enemy tries to sow into our lives to get us to believe a story that's not true. And so often he's going to tell us two lies about freedom. One is that we can never be free. And the other is that we don't need to be. He's always going to tell us that. 
You can never be free from that. You will never get over that. You will never get away from that addiction. You will never get through that marriage problem. You will never get out of debt. You can never be free. You're always going to be offended. People are always going to hurt you. You can't trust anyone. There's nothing good that's ever going to come to your life. You're always going to be sick. You're always going to get the short end of the stick. You're all, he's going to sow it and sow it and sow it. We've got to learn how to reject those lies or he's going to convince you. You don't need to be free. You're not hurting anybody else. Who else is this hurting? What do you care anyway? Nobody else should care about your life. Why do they care how you live? No, both are lies and we've got to reject it. We can't keep letting the enemy tell us these lies, forming a story that is binding us and holding us captive. And some of us just think it's just a small lie and we keep packing our suitcase with them. Oh, really? I'm never going to be free from this. I'm always going to have to have this addiction. Let me just pack it up and let me just carry it around with me the rest of my life. No, it's a lie. I've got good news. You can be set free. Not tomorrow, not tonight. How about now? How about today? But if we're going to get the freedom, first we got to recognize when we're not free. And then we need to repent. I'm talking about get on your face, cry your eyes out, say you're sorry, change your mind. Change your mind today. God's got something good for you. And Satan has been lying to you all along that what you thought was freedom was freedom. It's not. It's not freedom. God's got something better for you. Jesus said it in John chapter eight, verse three. He said to the Jews who believed in me, he said, if you'll just hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The only way you'll know if Satan's lying to you is if you know the truth. Because listen, he's really good at making it sound like it makes sense. And you got to be able to discern through. And the only way Jesus says is if you hold my teaching, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll help you know when the enemy is lying to us and we've got to reject those lies. And here's the fourth and the final thing. It's this number four, receive the gifts of the father. Receive the gifts of the Father. So what happens is in Luke chapter 15, verse 22, it says this. The Father said to his servants, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on back out. The Father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now in this verse, I want you to leave that verse up for just a minute. He, He shares three gifts that the Father gave to his son in that moment. The first gift that he gave the son in that moment was the robe. And I thought about this in Isaiah 61, our theme verse that we've been learning from. It talks about the robe of righteousness. In other words, the gift of the father is the fact that there's a robe of righteousness. That means we can see ourselves as God sees us. That robe of righteousness covers my shame. It covers my sin. Listen, listen, listen. I know I lived like the prodigal son. I know the guilt that comes with that. I know the shame that comes with that. I know that the, uh, the disbelief in yourself that comes with that. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be free. Listen, this will break that when we receive the gift of righteousness. Here's what that means. Righteousness. I'm in right standing with God. How am I right in right standing with God? Not because I did it. 
Jesus did it. Jesus already paid for my sin, for my guilt, for my shame. He already took the stripes. He already took the wounds. He already hung on the cross. He already bled the blood. It flowed from his body for me to cover and cleanse me, to wrap me in righteousness. So when the father sees me, there is my daughter with whom I'm well pleased. Not because I'm perfect, not because I don't sin, not because I don't get held captive to things in my life, but simply because I am in relationship with Jesus. And when I continue to repent to God and align myself under the robe of righteousness, I can see I am worthy to be free. I am worthy to be used. I am worthy to be anointed. Not because of me, but because of Jesus. And then he gave him a second thing, and it was this. It was a ring. That ring represented authority. Now, in in that time, when you would get a ring... It had a seal on it. And what would happen is that seal represented the authority of the household, the authority of the father, that you could use that seal to make things happen, right? To make decisions. You could use that seal, that ring. That's what that was. And I thought about that. Listen, Jesus said, he told us, I have given you all authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of Satan so that you will not be harmed, so that you will be free. This authority, Jesus says, I've given you the authority. Here's what he's trying to tell us. When you and I recognize we're starting to be bound, that we're held captive, that the enemy has shown up on the scene, I want you to know something. All of our areas of our life that we seem to lack freedom in, that we have no freedom freedom in, you better believe that there's an opposing enemy in that. He has his hand on that. He does not want you to be set free. He does not want you to experience the full freedom that Christ came and died for. And you're always going to have an imposing. And the point of the ring, the authority we've been given is that when I tell Satan he has to go, he has to go. When I say, Satan, you got to go. I do not receive this spirit of offense. I will not live in this spirit of fear. I will not stay in this spirit of lust. Satan, you got to go. I'm just telling you, you have the ring. You have the authority. And when you say it, he has to do it. Not because of you, but because of the name of Jesus. But here's what he's going to do. He's going to convince you that he's still there. But here's what it looks like. Satan, you got to go. I'm not going. I'm not going anywhere. You're still bound. You're going to be a captive. I'm not go. I'm not really gone. I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm still here. I'm still here. I know you can't see me. I'm still here. No, he's not. He had to go. When you said go, he had to go. He'll try to convince you that he still has you, that you can't be free, that you can't walk in the authority you've been given, that you can't overcome that addiction, that he still has a hold of you. No, he doesn't because you have that authority and it's a gift from the father to be used to set us free. And the final thing was the sandals. And the thing about the sandals in that time period, when you, and and the Bible says about the prodigal son, it says he connected himself to another citizen. In other words, he became a slave to another household citizen to work in the pig farm. Now, when you became a slave or a servant, they would take your sandals so that you couldn't run away to freedom. That was the point. So think about this. So he comes back home with muddy feet, pig stuff all over it. 
wounds and cracks and all the things that came with it. And he comes home barefoot. And the father, one of the first thing he does, let me put sandals on your feet. What was he saying? Son, you can be set free. You can go. You can walk the path to freedom. You can go where God's calling you. You have a place in this family. I trust you. You put these sandals on. It was power. The power to be set free. The sandals gave him the power to walk right out of captivity into freedom. And God has given us that today. I want you to stand to your feet. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to respond in this moment. Let me tell you the end of the story. Luke chapter 15, verse 24. Here's what it says about the prodigal son. The father says this about him. For this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And may I add, he was bound and now he's free. I've got good news for you today. You can be set free. I can be set free. We've got to recognize when we're not. We're going to repent to God and others. We're going to continue to reject the lies of the enemy and we're going to receive these gifts. We have the robe of righteousness. We have the authority to tell Satan to get away. And we also have the power to walk out the freedom that God wants for us. And so all around this room, I just want to encourage us. If that's you in this room and you're just, I I want to pray a special prayer over us today. I feel led to just declare some things over us. We're going to use the authority that God has given us. And then we're going to just respond in worship. And then at the end of service, when I dismiss you in just a minute, a prayer team's going to be down front. And I want to encourage you, man, if you just need that one-on-one prayer to be set free today, come get it. God's got it for you. He wants to set us free and live in the full freedom he had. It said this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Don't be bound and held captive to something that God is saying, I'll set you free from it. All he wants to know is, do you want it? Do you want the freedom? I want to pray this over us. And so all around the room, if you just say, I just want full freedom today. You just lift your hands towards heaven. I'm going to declare some things over us. And then I want to pray for us all around this room. You just go, I want the full freedom. I want to be free from this unforgiveness. I want to be free from the lust. I want to be free from the addiction. I want to be free from the insignificance I feel. I want to be free from the lies of the enemy. I want to be free from the debt. I want to be free from the bonds. I want to be free from all the chains that hold me back. I want freedom. So all over this room, let me speak this over you. Let me pray this over you. Father, I thank you that we have overcome by the word of our testimony and our belief in Jesus. I thank you that we're born again. We're not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible seed in our lives. And it abides forever that you are in us. You are for us. You are with us. I thank you that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sweeter than honey and purer than gold. And in the name of Jesus, and by the word of God, and by the blood of the lamb, we declare we can be set free in Jesus' name. And so we take authority over every spirit of bitterness, unforgiveness, resentment, hate, malice, envy, jealousy, and we command you to go in Jesus' name right now. 
I rebuke every spirit of insecurity or inferiority of fear, rejection, self-hate, self-pity, self-destruction in Jesus' name. Suicide, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of anger and rage and murder and violence and lawlessness, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of sexual immorality, of adultery, fornication, lust, pornography, all forms of sexual impurity, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. A spirit of pride, lying, every Jezebel spirit and every spirit of deception, of manipulation, of control, I command you to go now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of criticism and judgment and arrogance and prejudice and racism, I command you to go in Jesus' name. Every spirit of greed and materialism and selfishness and covetousness and selfish ambition in Jesus' name, go now. Depression, anxiety, worry, go now in Jesus' name. Addiction, alcoholism, drunkenness, drugs, gluttony, in Jesus' name, go now. Every spirit of legalism, a religious pride, or heresy, or false doctrine, we command you to go now in Jesus' name. Every spirit of stealing, or slothfulness, or laziness, unbelief, rebellion to authority, in Jesus' name, you've got to go. Every spirit of, of guilt, and shame, and embarrassment, and humiliation, in Jesus' name, you must go. Every spirit of sickness, or disease, or infirmity, of chronic health, in Jesus' name, you got to go. Every spirit of witchcraft, or blasphemy or the occult we command you to go now in Jesus name and in the name of Jesus we break every word curse and spell spoken over us every generational curse in Jesus name I command you to go every demonic spirit every stronghold everything that's holding us captive everything holding us in bondage we command you to go now in Jesus name and I've got good news church you can be set free in the name of Jesus give Jesus some praise in this place. Thank you, Lord. I want to do one more thing and then we're going to worship and we're going to leave. All around the room, if you've never committed your life to Jesus, listen, I'm telling you, it's like the prodigal son coming home. It's like, I thought that was good. I thought I could do my own thing, my own way, but now I know I need a savior. I know I need Jesus. If that's you around the room, lift your hand towards heaven. I'm just going to have you pray this in your heart. If you want to give your life to Jesus right now, lift your hand. Pray this in your heart. Father, today I choose you. I believe in you. I give you my life and all that I am. Everything I have is yours. I surrender to your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Teach me how to live. My life is yours. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name. And here's what I want to do. I just want you to respond to the Lord in this moment. You go ahead and you worship and you respond and you let the Holy Spirit do his work in you. And then I'm going to come dismiss this. Come on, let's just sing for just a minute and respond to the Spirit of God. to the wonder 
Thanks for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope. Oh, 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 oh